Welcome everyone to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. This is the place where we showcase talented broadcasters delivering high quality content across live stream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by Livestream Universe. Check it out, livestreamuniverse.com. And we have a website just for this show at livestreamstars.tv. You'll be able to see the show notes and, and links uh, from this show and about Tyler um, up there by tomorrow at Livestream Stars. TV. And next week we have Kathy Hackle. She's an Emmy Award winning broadcaster, uh, now a live streamer. And uh, she was uh, one of the people who was big in, in getting Periscope Community Summit started. So uh, she'll be a great guest to talk to uh, next week. Um, and now to today's guest, Tyler Anderson, a social media marketing entrepreneur, speaker, and host of the Social Media Social Hour podcast. That is a great podcast. You can find it on iTunes, and, and Tyler keeps extensive notes um, at his Casual Fridays blog, and you can listen at, at casualfridays.com as well. Just go to the blog, and you can find out all his, his past episodes and, and does a lot of great uh, interviews. Tyler's also, the as I mentioned, uh, CEO of Casual Fridays. He's a social media marketing and content marketing uh agency and, and and casual friday is headquartered in san diego but he's got offices in atlanta miami new orleans uh Taylor also founded scoreboard social to provide social media reporting and benchmarking and you have social media day san diego coming up uh at the end of june right end of june that's right june 30th celebrated worldwide and we just put on the uh, the event here in san diego which has kind of turned into uh, a mini one-day social media conference, if you will. So it's it's kind of cool. It's not just celebrated in San Diego. We get people who who do kind of join us um, throughout the United States just because of the events uh, really kind of grown into an awesome conference. And for people on the West Coast or who are making the trip out, um, where can they go to find out more more information? Go to socialmediadaysandiego.com or smdasd.com. We'll redirect you there too because it's kind of a mouthful. And uh, yeah, it's a very affordable ticket. So if you're looking to go to a social social media conference, but sometimes I, I know like those content marketing world, social media marketing world, they're a pricey ticket. Uh, but you will see a very high caliber lineup of speakers at Social Media Day San Diego. And it's a very affordable ticket in the spirit of Social Media Day. Okay. So let's get right into addressing the elephant in the room. Um, sure. <laughs> yesterday. Okay. Uh, and, and I knew I had heard rumblings about this and seen some posts from people and, and also uh, even in some of the things that people who work for Blab have said, um, they're clearly not prioritizing talk shows anymore. And yesterday um, on my phone where I was not logged into Blab or Twitter or anything, I, I went to the Blab homepage and it was totally different instead of, you know, uh, you can start a show easily and whatever, just start talking, press a button, start talking, whatever. Um, it was all about you can watch videos and hang out with your crew, listen to music and just chill kind of thing. And so clearly they're they're changing the they're changing strategy. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't talked a lot about it. And let me just be clear for the for the record. Blab has every right. To change strategy, they have every right to go in a different direction. And in fact, as a company with investors and employees, uh, they have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's to me, it's a little surprising, and they have not really given any any 
any strong statement or even sort of communication to say what's going to happen for people who are doing talk shows are we you know should we go find another platform um will the platform still exist like this and again they don't have to do it um but they've built a wonderful community here and i would certainly love um love to know what they what they have planned if it's just really going to be just for hanging out with your friends or if there's still a place because i know when i listened to your interview um with Furkan, which I, I think was back in september of last year right yeah he talked about the use cases for blab and it was all about doing interviews and hosting podcasts and he talked about how you know it was shows from espn that um you know kind of inspired him and and yep. that kind of thing so it was clearly all about hosting shows and while I haven't heard this directly from anyone at Blab, it seems to be that they're making the case now that that's not what Blab's intended for or whatever. And that's that's quite a drastic change after, you know, press a button, start a talk show. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on on Blab in general. You don't have to get into yeah. the controversy or anything, but no. just as a as a as a social media marketing person with a keen insight into, you know, live stream platforms. Do you think that Blab's making a good decision to pivot towards, you know, maybe a younger crowd that's just going to hang out? Or do you think they're 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 giving up on something that's, you know, could be a, a relatively, you know, I don't want to say revolutionary, but very, very unique platform in this marriage of broadcasting and, and community? Yeah. So, you know, first of all, you know, I, I'm a fan of the guys at Blab. Uh, obviously, when the, the platform kind of came out and there's a lot of buzz about it, you know, I, I was kind of the one behind the very first ever Blab up in San Francisco when a lot of the top Blab users went out there. Um, you know, and, and meeting with those guys, I I do believe they were kind of really intrigued with the podcasting community and a lot of the people jumping on to, to Blab. And wasn't it PodClear they made the acquisition on back in the early days too? They, they acquired PodClear. So they were investing in the podcasting community too. Now, a lot has changed since then, though, too. So again, this is purely speculation. And, you know, we, we obviously don't know what's going on with Sean and Furkan and, and the conversations that are happening inside the walls at Blab HQ. But, right. you know, I'm, I'm sure to some degree they may be seeing a little bit of a, of a shift. I know, for example, like look at my own activity. I was all in on Blab. I was doing all my podcasts on Blab in the early days. And as much as I loved it, I eventually kind of had to pull back from it. Uh, just for some of it from a logistics standpoint, as an agency hadn't traveling a lot, it's hard to um, always schedule your blab. So I'm sure they maybe had a little, you know, we don't we don't have the data, we don't have the usage, we don't know if they maybe have it if they've seen like a, you know, a decline in growth. That certainly could be the case. Maybe they you know, they have the analytics, and maybe that right. they're they're noticing that it's a new trend, so they have to pivot, and that's that is their right. I will say this too: when I said a lot has happened, even look at last week. I think it was on Friday. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have seen now more and more with Facebook Live, and you know when Facebook Live was has been really kind of taking taking charge here. Uh, everybody was talking about how you always had to do it from your mobile phone. Well, now with the new uh, the FA conference, so there's some software providers now who have a software built, so you can actually broadcast live from your desktop. And we've seen some people now 
um, you know, they've hosted a blab, but then they turn around and then broadcast that blab live on Facebook to their audience. And they're actually getting more comments, probably an engagement in the Facebook channel, just again, by sheer volume of users on Facebook. So, you know, even myself, even though I love doing, doing blabs back in the day for my podcast, I'm probably going to look at having one of these software tools and where I can now use a tool like zoom or even Skype and just launch my podcast when I want to do it, have my podcast interview with my guests, but then also put that out on Facebook Live. So I think it's just, you know, Facebook Live wasn't really even around, uh, you know, or wasn't it wasn't rolled out to the masses when Blab was going all in on podcasting. So I'm sure that could be something to it as well. But again, Ross, whatever you and I talk about right now is probably pure speculation. We don't know what's going on in the, in the minds of Furkan and Sean and the investors at Blab. Right, right. And, and as you mentioned, you you were really all in and, and you were actually one of the first, I think, shows that I saw. You were you were either hosting a podcast or were a guest on a show. And I saw your microphone set up and I saw how professionally you were doing things. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is this could really be a game changer. And you see how great the community was. And, and really, like, it took me two days and this is already, like, my favorite platform. So I, I, I love the platform and I, I'm rooting for them to succeed. Um, obviously, I'd like them to succeed most as a more of a broadcast platform with a social component than strictly, you know, another place where friends just meet and chat off the record. But whatever it turns out to be, that's that's not you know, what I say isn't going to make a difference. Uh, but at some point you decided that that it wasn't best for you to host your podcast here. And that has to do with scheduling. It has to do with things other than the platform, from what I understand. Was there anything with the platform that either made it really good for hosting a podcast or hindered you in, in hosting a podcast? I loved it for hosting a podcast because I, it's, it, you know, I'm a radio guy back in the day. That was what I was before I was a social media guy. And I love the interaction. I love being able to see the comments real time, um, how people can post questions in there that you can incorporate a part of your show. It's no different than a talk format radio uh, back in the day on, on radio stations where you'd have callers, right? But now people can actually participate without actually having to dial a phone number and be on hold or, you know, whatever it was. So right. I love the platform from that standpoint. And I think too, what was nice is, you know, I have a professional setup for podcasting. Um, I have a mixer. So all my audio files would go into there and, and then it would go out into a nice wave file for me that would then be able to be edited. But not everybody's going to invest in that kind of equipment. And what I loved is Blab provided um, that just that anybody who had an internet connection, the, at least the opportunity to have a show. It may have not have been the most well-produced show. You know, the, the mic quality might have been a little bit of a hit, but it gave at least somebody the opportunity to have a show. Love that about it too. And, and you know, they've rolled out some new features. I know now they, I'm not as active on Blab as I used to. I know they have screen sharing capabilities and, um, you know, they, they're, they're always adding new things too. So I'm a fan of the platform, big fan of the guys. I love, uh, you know, for Con and Sean, as far as a CTO and a CEO, they have been more than accessible and available, especially in the early days they were to the user community, which to me is so cool. I mean, that's that, that speaks volumes for them. So um, I do hope, though, that they they keep the podcasters in mind with these new changes and at least continue to provide updates and tools that help them succeed. Yeah, yeah. And as a couple of people in the chat have said they're not so accessible anymore. And we really don't know as far as those of us who want to do either podcasts or, you know, video talk shows using kind of the talk radio format. As you mentioned, we really don't know if there's there's much support for that anymore. And 
you know, even if there's not support in terms of direct support, we need a stable platform if we're going to do, we're going to use it as where we produce either our video show or our, um, our podcast, uh, unless we have a setup where either we're capturing audio like you do off of a mixer and, and yep. plugging in our own, you know, digital audio recorder, or we're using video software and then just using Blab as a place to push it out to and, and, and engage the community in the chat. And, you know, what made it so great, and, and you know this from, from working in radio, is that it's really, really democratized broadcasting, Blab, more than any other platform I can think of, because you have this audience from the community that's here. So you have people you can interact with. Like you said, they can call in without needing a phone number and a call screener and all that. They can just call right in. You can take the call or not take the call. And it gives people, whether it's, you know, people like us who worked in radio at one time who just like to do this on occasion, a chance to just hop on and not need to send audition tapes out and whatever. It also gives inexperienced broadcasters a chance to hone their craft a bit before they go applying for jobs. And then it gives businesses a chance that don't have the money to buy, you know, $10,000 for an infomercial or a thousand dollars for time on a major market radio station to, to, to do their talk show around their content. They can hop on and engage their community and so forth. And perhaps there isn't the market for that, that people thought that there was. And, and this is what I'm, I kind of interested in your thought on this because when Facebook now talks about, you know, having a mobile camera app, right, mm -hmm. that, that, that isn't integrated completely with Facebook, that you can just go right into it and share with people and you can even start live streaming, live streaming from it. And then you can go live on Facebook, right? You don't have to go into your, your Facebook page or your Facebook profile, whatever. And, and Google's talking about like a YouTube connect where there'll be a lot of social engagement and, and cell phone sharing and all. Is it perhaps that this model isn't really, you know, us old radio guys love it, but perhaps it's not where the audience is? Because I don't hear like Facebook or, or Google saying we got to recreate this or even Twitter with Periscope saying we got to get four people, two to four people on a screen, and, you know, get a get a 80s, 90s talk radio show going. <laughs> you, you bring up or you ask a really great question. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to actually just kind of even take a step back and, and look at it from a wider picture, because I was even thinking about this today. Um, you know, you look at the live streaming and, and now everybody's trying to push the term live broadcasting because it's not streaming. And I, I get it. And everybody's saying, oh, my God, it's it's changing. And I think last week, Facebook even announced that they're, they themselves are going to come up with their own show, like a live show, like it's a morning show. Like I think it was all rise and shine. And so now you're going to see original programming, I guess, live programming, and they really want everybody to be able to do this. That's all fine and dandy. And, to, and I'm tying this back to your question here, but I still think the masses are grossly scared of being on live video or, or, or you know, I, I really do. Most people, you know, yeah, we can go out there and have video cameras. Like, you know, we, you know, look, look at the camcorders rise, right? Everybody's like, I'm sure when the camcorder came out, it was like, oh my God, is that the end of the camera? Well, no, because people still like to take pictures, right? <laughs> so right, right. yes, we have live video available. It doesn't mean everybody wants to be live. It doesn't mean everybody wants to be on video. And so, you know, I, I, that's why I still think a lot of the content is still predominantly going to be photos and, and, and more so than live video. But I do believe, yeah, it's, it's going to certainly be a trend or a, a, an emerging trend is live video and more people will do it. But I don't think the masses are going to be doing it. I don't think the masses are going to be consuming the live video. And I think right. you are right, Ross. I think a lot of people maybe just don't really care to go watch 
four people talk. You know, I, I'm a sports guy. And if the whole concept of four people talking like that was really, really successful, I'm sure ESPN have, would have more than just around the horn too, right? Right. So right. they only have that one show. But if that if that was really, they're getting like just huge ratings, they'd probably have four shows with that kind of format. So um, that's just my take on it. Right, right. And so where do you, where do you see like opportunity for people who like this, not necessarily platform-based, right? But in terms of content, do you have companies that that you work with that say we want to do live video we want to live stream we want to have our own show um even maybe beyond doing what what what's you know narrowly related to what they're selling or marketing or their product or service right but but we want to be a content producer you know there's companies that just produce content or that's that's only loosely related to what their core business is, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. So I do believe your, more brands are going to want to do it. And, and, and I don't know if they're, they're going to want to do it, but if they want to evolve, they should adopt it. They should want to you know, do it. And I really believe we are entering this period now where every business or brand has the opportunity to be a media company. Mm-hmm. You can go out there and you can create your content. You can go live. You can record content. You can publish it on your channels. You, know, you can pay if you want to through the ad platforms to reach a specific demo graphics. So everybody has the opportunity to be a media company. Um, my prediction or, or where I see this kind of going is just because you can go live. Like I was at a meeting with a client today and they're doing something really awesome. And I and just I can't disclose this, obviously, because it's supposed to be you know private right. knowledge here. But um, they're doing something pretty awesome coming up. They've, they're spending a lot of money on something. And of course, the thought is like, oh, we should be doing this live. Well, let's think about this for a second, though. Just because you can go live and show this amazing thing you're doing doesn't mean it's going to be great content. So my thoughts on this is this, you know, look like when you see like the Thanksgiving Day Parade, do we really want to just watch the parade and look at the floats? Like, would we watch if there was no commentators, you know, talking about it? You need that. So, you know, we're going to have probably a, a ton of content created. People think that they can go live. And just because they're live, is it still engaging, you know? So where I think, you know, brands are going to do it right, they're going to treat it almost like, uh, they're going to treat it like a media company. They're going to actually employ people who have the ability to be a great, you know, host, right? Like on camera, like a, a correspondent. I was having a, 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 a off the record conversation with Joel Com here earlier today. And um, I kind of told him, I go, you know where I think this is going to create an opportunity? If, if I had to go like re market myself if i want to do a new career so i don't know if anybody's looking out there right now any of the audience who's listening to this show right now if you want a new career opportunity here here you go first of all you got to be really polished behind a microphone you got to be probably pretty good in front of a, of, of a television too start marketing yourself as like a freelance reporter or a freelance correspondent where brands can hire you to go and lead that live stream, right? You know, conduct the interviews with, you know, key associates or employees. Cause a lot of these brands and businesses like right now, they don't maybe have somebody who works for their company who, who's, you know, who can be a good interviewer. Just, they don't, they don't, they, they're not going to know like what kind of questions to ask or how to really highlight or showcase, uh, you know, a product or a service that you're offering. So, um, you know, and yeah, there's influencer marketing, but like go out there and be that freelance, you know, uh, you know, reporter. Like if you worked in the television industry and you work for some small market where we know there's not a lot of money to be made, go right. move to a big market, use all those amazing skills you have as an expert interviewer uh, and go start, you know, trying to sell yourself to brands and corporations about, hey, I will conduct interviews for your live stream feeds or these shows. I think there's a huge opportunity for that. Right, right. So for, for brands, 
broadcasters then or aspiring broadcasters, the thing to use these platforms are to step up your game a little bit, to, to polish your, your presentation, to to gain the skills where it's not only going to be enough for, you know, smaller brands to say, go out with a cell phone camera and stand there and say something and that's yep. fine because we'll have covered it. But we want to have, you know, professional reporting from such and such conference or, yeah. you know, we want to be able to um, not just on air people, but probably people who can produce quality video. Um, as you said, and I think it's a great point, it doesn't have to be live, but the concept of how you still kind of capture and record yep. a live event um, and then even if you splice it up with with commentary and things like that, just like the way, you know, NBC packages the Olympics. When you watch the Olympics at primetime, you're not sitting there watching a three hour game. It's it's story. It's it's background. It's it's conversation. And then it's, you know, OK, and now we're ready for the <laughs> the, the finals of track and field. Right. We're ready yeah. for, the you know, 100 meters or whatever. So I, I think that's where the the opportunity comes probably for brands is they they use the live concept right you yep. capture the speech you capture um uh, interviews from the convention but then you pre then you package it together in a way that that puts your best foot forward and gets people the information in in bite-sized chunks rather than expecting people to sit there at their desk while they're at work and watch you know nine hours of speeches <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean you know to, to to give a little light on this i mean so the the client that i was talking with i mean i'll just i can disclose a little of the information i guess they're talking about a ribbon cutting ceremony well no one's right. really going to care to watch a ribbon cutting ceremony live right but what if you actually had bits where you got like the mayor to talk about how this new facility is going to have a huge impact on the city or then you pull another person aside and talked about the the benefit of what this new facility is going to do for the local community or maybe the donations that that you're you know, this events, you know, bringing on and what, how you're going to donate to various charities or whatever it may be. There's those stories. You need to have that, that person be able to identify what that story is. That's what's going to maybe be better on live, not just the actual ribbon cutting ceremony. So right. you got to think through like the ideas and how you're going to leverage these platforms. I just think the, the, you know, the, the brands that think like, Oh, go live, let's just go live for the sake of going live are going to fail at it. You need to put some thought into it. What's the strategy? How does it align with what your bigger initiative is? It's just we're in this cool spot now where technology and, and like I said earlier, like every brand has at least the ability to be a media company now. Right, right. So let's talk about um, podcasting a little bit because you're you really do a great job with that. And can you talk about kind of what what is similar between what, you, you know, being a radio broadcaster and doing a podcast and how podcasting is different and how either you construct your show or how you you deliver it or the length of your content or just just in general? Like, what do you feel is very different about the two the two mediums, which are in a lot of ways very similar podcasting and live and radio? And, no, no, no. Between working in radio and and doing a podcast how is a podcast while they, people see them as being podcast basically an online radio yep. show there's still some differences in how you develop and produce and promote it and so forth can you give people kind of an overview of what's yeah. different about what's you different unique about doing a podcast sure so and just for the record and and to be fully transparent i was not a radio dj i was actually on the sales side so i i okay. was a station manager i managed the top 40 radio station and top 40 is of course pop music uh here in southern california so it was a very widely popular radio station and um 
And so I was there. And uh, but I, of course, I, I've always been intrigued with the behind the mic stuff. And a lot of those right. uh, air personalities are still great friends of mine to this day. And, um, you know, I'll say this again, coming from the sales side of it, though, when I was in radio, you know, so much of the content was really restricted from interruptions and commercials. And gosh, right. I think at our heyday there, we were running like 18 minutes an hour of commercials, which is just, wow. you know, let's be honest, from a, from a listener standpoint, that's horrible. It's a horrible experience. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I love about podcasting is, you know, and again, to, uh, let me actually, before I go about, about the podcasting, the other thing with radio, which was a frustrating component, and I can even say this as a consumer, I love sports talk radio. And there's so many times I was in my car on my way to like a client meeting and I was maybe in a, an amazing interview with, with an athlete or something. And then I arrive and I have to turn off the car, the car and now I'm going to miss the rest of that interview. What I love about podcasting, what podcasting brings to um, the consumer is, you know, I can start a podcast when I wake up in the morning and I can begin it. And it let's just say it's a, an hour long podcast. And maybe I go for my morning walk for 20 minutes and I consume 20 minutes of that podcast. I can hit pause when I'm done. Then I can go have breakfast with my family. But then, you know what? I'm going to go maybe out for a jog. Now I can hit play again on that podcast and I can finish that podcast or I can pause it again if I'm midway through. And then I can get my car, my car, uh, the audio in my car through Bluetooth pairs up with my phone. Now I can hit play again. So I can consume that content all throughout the day or all throughout the week. I can start and stop shows at different times. I just think from an end consumer standpoint, it, it makes it such a more pleasant, uh, more pleasant experience. That's why I love podcasting. Uh, the other thing too with podcasting is, you know, the barrier to entry to have a great show is minimal. And that kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier with Blab. I mean, you know, Blab is, was a great tool for people to go out there. And if they didn't want to invest in the equipment, at least they could do a Blab with their computer audio, get an audio file, still spice that up, upload it to iTunes. And uh, if they if they enjoyed it, then they could go invest and you can still get a great sounding show. Right. For a, a, you know, like a, a, there's an amazing microphone, the what is it, the Audio Technica ATR 2100, which I know like guys like Cliff Ravenscraft and John Lee Dumas, uh, these are you know some of the top podcasters on iTunes. They'll tell you that microphone is maybe like on a scale of one to ten is like an eight or a nine, where like the Heil would be considered like the ten. So you know, and that that microphone you can get for like sixty bucks or seventy bucks on Amazon. But uh, to answer your question, I'm kind of going all over here. Uh, I, you know, I think radio, I think radio, I don't think podcasting is going to kill radio because from the FM, FM standpoint of radio, um, you know, the music is what drives that right. Music radio stations, what could ultimately hurt that is of course is going to be the Pandora as a Spotify, stuff like that. But from an AM talk radio standpoint, I mean, who would want to listen to AM talk when you go listen to amazing quality podcasts on all these topics that could interest you? I mean, if you're interested right. in football or gardening there's probably podcasts on those right 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 what are some of your favorite podcasts besides Ooh. your own so well all right um i have to give credit where credit is due so even though i have a social media podcast uh what really got me into podcasting was mike stelzner's podcast social media marketing and i discovered that back in 2013 uh, but other podcasts I listen to, um, I'm really big into uh, personal development as well. As a CEO of a company, I'm always like, how can I better myself? And so I love the Ziggler podcast still too. I know you know the earlier days, it's that, that podcast started, I want to say in 2006, and it's really advanced a lot. But to me, there's just great knowledge there to be learned. Um, I also am a fan of, if you want to learn more about social ads or, or Facebook ads, Rick Mulready's podcast, The Art of Paid Traffic. Um, during the football season, I'll listen to the ESPN fantasy focus podcast. So to me, that's interesting. 
I don't cons- I don't listen to ESPN radio. And as I've gotten more and more busier, I don't really watch television like like ESPN mm-hmm. or Sports Center that much. But I'll consume that podcast on iTunes. So uh, those are just some of the ones. But I, I probably have. Gosh, if I looked at my phone right now, um, I probably have like ten or so that are pretty much in that rotation. Oh, uh, another one I love. I want to give credit. It's um, build a better agency. Uh, Drew McKellen. And and here's a per example. I run a, a social ad agency. And that's what's so cool. I could not go on the AM radio station dial and find a talk show about building a, an agency. I just couldn't do it. Right, but I right. can go find a podcast that specifically speaks to me all about that. And when you say um, social ad agency, is that your focus is paid? So uh, Casual Fridays, we're a social media and content marketing agency, but a lion's share of what we do is social media marketing. Uh, we primarily work with uh, the hospitality industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it is paid with like paid platforms, but we do a lot of management and community management. In fact, the podcast I recorded earlier today is all about social customer care. And that's a huge component of what we offer or provide for our clients is the customer service component for social media, particularly with hotels and resorts. A lot of people now, as we've kind of evolved, uh, they don't even when they're in st- when they're staying in the hotel rooms, they do not want to hit zero on their phone or they do not want to have to go down to the front desk. They'd rather just go on Facebook Messenger or Twitter and tweet the hotel their questions or problems. Wow. You know, you could probably do a podcast just on the uh, just on the hospitality industry and as well. Oh, I thought about if you, it. If you did another if you ever wanted to do another one, there's a there's a wonderful topic that people probably tune in to get all sorts of tips about, you know, where to stay, how to how to book, how to handle yeah, issues. Man, not, to- not, you know what's so funny? So I actually I've I just don't have the bandwidth for it, but I've always yeah. thought it'd be really entertaining, not even from a marketing standpoint, but I thought it'd be really entertaining to come up with a podcast called like Heads and Beds or something like that. <laughs> and it, um, because I, you just know there's crazy stories from things happening in these hotels. <laughs> have like, like, so people who work in the hotel business, like, go online and submit, um, you know, the craziest stuff that happened that week and just, you know, basically almost treat it like a, a TMZ of what's happening in hotels and all the, the fun stuff. People love that. I think that'd be a really entertaining podcast. A great question here um, from Event Collab. Um, what is the best social listening tool out there? The, I, I don't want to say best as in like there's the end all be all. I mean, the reality is, is somebody has been doing this now for over seven years running the agency level. We've probably used like nine different enterprise tools. And even to this day, we're still using even presently, we, we use like six, uh, you know, at one t- at one point, we don't have one tool that does it all. Like there's a certain thing. But um, I'd say the, the one that is really good, the one that we're using right now, uh, because it also, in addition to pulling in um, like various handles and, and platforms, it also allows you the ability to kind of write some custom code on top of that is a Salesforce product called Desk. And that is what we use. And I'll give you an example why we, we like it. Um, in addition to you know, just monitoring keywords or your social handles, it turns every single like mention or message into a actual case. So then, right. you know, you're resolving cases, you know, now for, you know, the mentions or customer service issues that might be happening. And then even what I also like too is, and this is again, if you're at a higher level where you're managing a large number of accounts, like we're, we're managing probably 500 various accounts uh, at the agency <laughs> level. So uh, what I also like too is for Facebook check-ins or reviews, you can actually tap into the Facebook API, write your own code and have that pulled into desk. So desk gives you some kind of ability to do some custom coding on top of it. Now, you know, we think of social media as being this sort of borderless, 
you know, you can reach anybody. It's it doesn't matter where you're located and all that kind of thing. But as somebody who's running a business with different locations, are, are there different things you have to think about and how uh, people in the Atlanta market maybe approach social media and what their needs are versus the San Diego market versus other markets where you're doing business? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the 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 thing too when you run an agency like that, and and just even being mindful to like what's happening in the local market, because like when you're creating a content calendar and you're you know, you, you know in San Diego, like there could be like the, the wildfires, right? right Which right. let's be honest, like when when like a national tragedy is going on, the whole world's tuned into it. But when like a le- uh, regional events happening, you know, like okay, that's something we need to be really attuned and aware to. And you know, obviously we maybe need to pause like what we're we're how are we? Be, we need to monitor how we're responding to people in San Diego very differently than on a national level. So, I mean, definitely, there's just things that you have to be kind of aware of. Right, right. Now, you had um, when I did that article that I did at the uh, just at the beginning of the year about predictions for live streaming and 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 digital broadcasting. You mentioned that you you saw the growth of of uh, podcasting coming this year. In fact, I think you used the term explosive growth. Yep. Um, how are we doing so far and do you still see podcasting heading in in that direction i do so um i'm i'm paraphrasing like the statistics but actually uh to give credit where credit is due last week on mike stelzner's podcast social media marketing he had um gosh i can't remember his name but he's he's the head tom webster and tom is the he's either the founder or he's a managing partner at edison research and Edison Research is a obviously their research company, but they even did a lot of the research for uh, Jay Bear's recent book, Hug Your Haters on the Social Customer Care. But this is what these guys do. And they've been doing this since like I think the late 90s or at least the early 2000s. And they have a lot of data and they've been tracking the, the trends and the popularity of podcasting uh, for at least I think since 2000, since 2006 is what I recalled from this podcast interview that they had. But they definitely uh, see podcasting to continue to be on a growth trajectory um, and, and exploding. And I think it's going to continue to do so just because again, uh, these things as you know, Google play just launched the, your, you know, now podcasts are supported in the Google play music network. So now that Android user actually will have a native app to listen to podcasts or before they had to rely on a tool like Stitcher, uh, which to me, it makes it, I'm not a Android user, so I don't know this hundred percent, but I'm, I'm pretty confident now if it's in that, that, that platform, then, um, it requires no downloading. So I don't have to go download a tool to listen to podcasts. I can just do it right, right. from my droid. So I would imagine that that's going to help with the popularity. And I just think people are going to slowly get more and more uh, familiar with shows. You know, I know for instance, you know, I, I have a lot of clients and when they find out that we, that I have a podcast, they never even thought to listen to podcasts. And but then they go listen to it, and then they discover the audio quality is just as good as the FM radio stations that they're listening to. There's no commercials. It's highly targeted based on interest. As more and more people start getting used to that, and again, as the technology starts to adapt more uh, with like cars and all that, we're going to see more and more people, um, you know, use podcasting. So I think you know I think we're on the right path still. Rachel Moore joins us. Really Hi. social. Hey Rachel, how hey. are you? I'm doing I'm great, guys. Hey, thank. This is an awesome topic. So timely because. Uh, I, I actually have just been uh, immersing myself in um, podcasts. I, I know I mentioned a couple in the sidebar, but I, I would love to, to learn a little more too. Um, I know you talked about uh, social media examiners podcast. Um, I feel like that, if you agree, is a little more of an informational tutorial type of podcast um, mm-hmm. versus the more narrative type. I, I've listened to Reply All and, 
and even their podcast startup, which is, is really, by the way, a good podcast. Let's do if you want to start a podcast company, because <laughs> that's what they talk about um, in the first season. But uh, can you talk a little bit about the purpose of podcasts? If you're doing more of an informational instructional one versus more of a narrative one, I would assume there's a little more production that needs to go into a narrative one versus the informational tutorial type. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, obviously the first thing, if you're going to do a podcast is, you know, what, 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 who's the audience? Like what's it for? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if people are doing a podcast for a, you know, for, for pleasure, for a hobby, obviously that's different. Like for mine, it's, it's for business. Like I use that to fuel content for our website, uh, which I'm sure is what social media examiner does too. But you know, when it comes to preparation for your podcast and yeah, if you're gonna do more of like a narrative, um, I, I would imagine that definitely is going to take a lot more preparation. Um, just to give some context, like what my typical shows, cause I do interview format and I don't, I don't think I do necessarily like tactical how to's or anything like that. I don't do it too mm -hmm. often. It's more opinion based. Um, let's break down the trends, what's happening. Uh, let's maybe provide some top level, uh, actionable ta tactics or tips, but not necessarily go into the, the minutia of it all. Um, I'd say an average prep for me is about 30 to 45 minutes, but I do know some people who can take like an hour to two hours prepping for a podcast. Personally, I don't know. I'm trying to think of any of the podcasts I listen to are more of the narrative format. Some of the personal dev stuff is, and I'm sure they probably put in well over an hour. I feel like um, on the Ziggler show, for example, not all of them are narratives, but some of them are. And I, you know, I feel like Tom, is that his name? Tom Miller? I'm not sure who, who the host of that one is, but um, I, I feel like I've heard him mention that he goes well over to an hour in the preparation for his shows. Mm. Okay. Are you starting a podcast? Uh, I'm, I'm delving. Yes. Um, okay. I've been wanting to, um, I'm actually trying to collaborate a little bit with a couple people too. So it's not just me. I, I definitely trust more brains in the room, um, yeah. but um, <laughs> just the best practice. Um, I, but, I do think the podcast with multiple people, that's why I like the interview format. And if you're not going to do an interview format, then at least get like a co-host or two or three co-hosts because I think the podcasts that I feel like I listen to and that I like and the ones that do well a lot of times are the ones that have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes back to the human nature. I'm not a psychologist, but I think if, 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 if I were to go buy a book on psychology, there's probably something about we love to just eavesdrop on people. We love to listen yeah. into other people's conversations. And I think those are the podcasts that are more intriguing to people when they can actually hear a conversation between a few people. I agree. Um, I actually do have a smidgen of radio TV broadcasting, um, and I did do work part time. I thought in radio. so. I really thought so from watching <laughs> your stream. My, my certificate is so old; it's just not even worth mentioning anymore. But um, but yeah, I uh, I did do a solo broadcast, and there's world of difference there. I mean, you can have all the personality in the world, but if you've got two people or more on a microphone, um, it is it's so much more engaging. And so I totally agree. Uh, with that. And um, one other question, and then I'll uh, let someone else in too, but um, what, what would you recommend if someone is starting podcasting? Um, what, what is a good, I mean, iTunes is probably their first place to go, correct? And, and just yeah. any tools to kind of get started with that. And I, like, I have Adobe uh, Creative Suites or Premiere, which I could do audio editing and stuff, but just, just some basic tools like that and probably good microphone and stuff, right? Yeah. So I would recommend if you haven't done so, did you, have you looked into like a course or no, not that you have to do the paid courses, but if, if it's in your budget, there's some great paid courses, but if you also want a free course on it all, um, you, are you familiar with Pat Flynn and Pat Flynn has an I amazing am. blog. I'm actually going to see him this, uh, Saturday at Joel Combs, uh, shenanigans. Oh, in Denver. Are you in, are you out of Denver? I'm in Denver. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pat is, Pat has actually a free course all about how to start and launch a podcast 
So if you go on his website um, and just search for it, I'm sure you'll find it. And truthfully, that is what I watched when I started my podcast years ago. And it gives you everything you need to know. And he'll give you like the options for the high level equipment, but it'll also give you the options for the basic level equipment on there too. Um, That's a great resource. And my other advice is, you know, just make sure if you launch it, stick with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So many people never get past. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing from Cliff Ravenscraft here. So many people never get past episode number seven. And that's kind of the, you know, I'll even say this, you know, truthfully, like my podcast, like I just stuck with it. And I'd say it was like around the year, year and a half mark where that's when it started to pick up steam. That's when it started to pick up traction and and gain traction. And proudly, like even an article came out, I think it was like two weeks ago. And I never would have thought I would have been in this, but Hootsuite put out an article basically saying the top six social media marketing podcasts and they ranked mine number two. So, um, you know, if you stick with it, I I think I'm up up to like 120, 130 some episodes now. Um, I just do a weekly show. You just got to stick with it. Your your audience will grow, grow to... Uh, expect that. Um, I did make the mistake one time of kind of going dark just because I got too busy. Right. I remember thinking because I was like a newer podcast that nobody will notice. Well, you know what? People did notice. <laughs> and they're like, hey, <laughs> your, your podcast has been on three weeks. What's going on? That's when I'm like, oh my God, I got to get back out there. And right. really, the, the, the you know, the guy who called me out on that was Mike Stelzner. And that's somebody who I really look up to and respect mm-hmm. in this industry. And he goes, hey, how come you've been podcasting a while? Like you're, you're dropping the ball by doing that. And that you know, you look at the, the audience, like I know Mike listens to my show and that's a really, that's a very influential listener to have listening to your show. So yeah, right? um, they, they will, they will pay attention to it. And so you just got to make sure you stick, stick with it and be consistent. Thank you Thanks so much, so much Rachel. Great question. Tell everybody what you have coming up tomorrow. Oh, I do. Uh, yes, actually tomorrow I'll be on Blab um, and we're talking about uh, using new domains, those custom domains like .social and .live, which I'm a fan of because that's my website, really .social. But um, that's that'll be at noon on Blab tomorrow. So that's exciting. And cool. hashtag Let's Livestream is on Wednesday with Chris Strobe. Nice. Noon, well, you'll, noon you'll Eastern see, uh, Pacific. Uh, um, mountain time tomorrow um, on Blab. Yeah, so. Time? Because I didn't find you at the your old time last week. <laughs> I know. Well, and uh, to be honest, can I just be fully transparent? Uh, we were going to go see Captain America: Civil War. So uh, and you said you liked the earlier time, and now you're sticking like, with you it. You know what? I wanted to test a little bit, so I moved it up, and it worked out really nice. So noon, right. time. Hey, Rachel, so uh, have fun at your uh, Joel's shenanigans event, and Joel um, and Pat Flynn are actually both speakers who will be joining us on June 30th in San Diego for Social Media Day. So if you want to see him again, you should come out to San Diego for that. I'm actually going to be in San Diego right at that time, so uh, I may I may hit out. you up on that. That's right, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll tackle Pat, not literally. Uh, on Saturday and ask him about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Thank good. Have a great Thank night. You. you too. Anyone else want to hop in? Tyler Anderson uh, is here till the top of the hour. Uh, social media social hour is the podcast. As Tyler mentioned, the, the number two uh, chosen uh, social media marketing podcast by Hootsuite. That's, that's uh, right. That's a great honor. Who else was on that list? And, you know, what was it like getting seeing that come up? Honestly, I didn't expect it. I mean, I've made a few of those lists before, but usually I'm like on the bottom of it. And and truthfully, like I'm just in good company. I'm just thrilled to be there. But um, uh, they're all guys I look up to and respect. Obviously, uh, Gary Vanderchuk's show is on there is number one. Mike Stelzner's show is on there. Jay Bear's show is on there, uh, as well as my mine. And then, gosh, there's two others, and I can't think off the top of my head right now who they were. One was actually not normal. It was uh, 
it was a normal radio show that also was converted to a podcast and it's not really designated to be a social media podcast but the author right. of the article just felt there's great social media lessons to be learned from it so Great, great. So who else do you have coming up on uh, Social Media Day San Diego? Who are, who are social, the other speakers? Social Media Day San Diego, it's a single track event. And our speakers are Jay Bear, Joel Kahn, uh Mike Stelzner will be there, Pat Flynn, Mari Smith, Rick Mulready, who does the 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 uh, Facebook or the Art of Paid Traffic podcast. But actually, I think most of the speakers are podcasters too. That speaks volumes. Awesome. The trajectory of podcasting. Uh, Rick Mulready, Mari Smith, uh, Joel Kahn, Brian Fanzo, Carlos Gill. Um, who am I missing? Oh, and Jen Herman. Jen Herman will be speaking about uh, Instagram marketing. And then Sonny Leonard Doozy. Uh, I don't know if anybody's out there familiar with Sonny, but Sonny's been an emerging uh, live streaming expert as well as uh, great with YouTube and video marketing. Oh, that's awesome. That's quite a lineup you put together there. That's that's really a, good. Like I said, it's a, it's an amazing lineup at a fraction of what it costs to go see him again. Out of the spirit of social media day, we keep our prices at a at really the bare minimum. Just again, we try to make this as a, a community event. So right now, advanced ticket purchases are only 129 bucks. So I mean, that's wow. a screaming deal to go see that kind of level of, of a caliber of, uh, of speakers. And the venue is world-class too. It's actually here in San Diego and it's at the world-class Marriott Marquis uh, San Diego, uh, Marina hotel. It's beautiful. Awesome. Um, Rachel asked another question earlier in the chat box that, uh, she didn't, she, I thought maybe she would ask you on, on the air, but, um, she said, what do, what do you consider the ideal length for a podcast? So to me, it kind of goes as long as you need to get your message across. And so, um, I, that, that's, there's two parts to this question. I, mean, I think that's just, you know, if you can't get your content done in a short period of time, you need it to be an hour, then great. Make it be an hour, right? Um, personally, I like podcasts to be around the half hour mark. So if you can keep them between 20 and 30 minutes, in my opinion, that's ideal. Uh, the average commute, you know, in, is somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. So people can listen to a show. I do have some podcasts that I do listen to that are over an hour. And truthfully, it gets kind of hard because like, I just find myself sometimes kind of stacking when I'm going to listen to those. Cause I know, I know I might only have like 30, 40 minutes and I just want to get I want to complete a show. And if a podcast is like an hour, I might not want to start it because I know I can't finish it. So then I'll actually listen to one of the other podcasts first. So yeah, my personal opinion is I, I try to keep around 20 to 30 minutes. How far in advance do you book your guests and do you do it week by week or do you batch and take a day and do a bunch of them? Depends. I try to do both. I mean, if you can truly batch, I think it helps because let's be honest, we all get busy with life and right, right. to have a few in the can is certainly a good thing. When I, uh, when I did take my little hiatus is because I ran out of podcast guests and I was so busy, I didn't have time to conduct some interviews. Um, but I also have shifted that a little bit too. So what I do is I try to make Mondays my day to record podcasts or be a guest on podcasts like I am today. So today I only recorded one because I had a really busy day, but there's been some days where I'll record two or even three episodes on a Monday. Um, and then as far as when I book guests out, it really just depends on them, like when it's convenient for them. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I'm consistently always, as I meet people, I think would be a great guest on the show. I'll send them a link. I use a tool called Calendly. Um, and it's basically, it's a scheduling tool and then they can pick whenever they want to do it. I, I do believe I have, have it set up though, where they can't go and book it like three months out. Like I try to get them at least in the next 60 days to come on the show. 
Um, how much yeah. prep do you do in terms of, um, do you do any kind of pre-interview? Do you ask the guest if there's anything that's off limits? Do you just kind of flow with the interview and respond to what they say? Like, how do you, how do you, I think a lot of people want to probably want to know, like how you kind of think about yeah. your approach to it. Totally. Well, I like my podcast interviews to be very kind of conversational. And so I don't, right. I, you know, I've had a lot of times, even my guest today, which was a great episode today. Uh, but, you know, prior to they sent an email saying, hey, do you have a list of questions you're going to send over ahead of time? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> you know, we don't do that. And the reason is right. I don't, I don't want them to be thought out canned answers. You know, um, I think the impromptu uh, of the response is what makes it a good conversation. Uh, generally when I do prep a, an interview though, I really won't go in with more than maybe five or six questions. And a lot of times they aren't even questions. There's topics that I want to talk right. about. And what I've, one of the best skills I've learned from, from podcasting is to become a better listener. Uh, my wife loves that I've, that I've done this because I've become a better listener at home too. Um, <laughs> because you know, there, I, I kind of detected this on my earlier podcast. You can go back and listen to the first 10 episodes. Like they, they were terrible personally. I thought they were awful, but some people still liked them. Obviously saw value in the show and continue to listen. But, um, I was so focused on my list of questions that I had that I just blew over an amazing follow-up question opportunity based on the response of my guest. So I kind of became aware of that and I challenged myself to really only have like maybe a few topics or questions, but really try to like make more of my questions become follow-up questions to the answers and responses that I was getting from my guests. And I found that that's made a much better quality show. And it, it also just obviously makes my job easier because I don't have to prep as much. <laughs> so Yeah, it's a great tip. Um, what are some other things that you would tell somebody starting out to maybe to avoid doing because sometimes it's easier to to not to, to raise your level just by stop doing a few things that may hinder as you listen to podcasts and especially like newer ones or whatever what are some of the things you notice that boy if they just stopped doing that their their podcast would be 15 percent 20 percent better yeah so i think definitely uh you know do, do prep prep work is key because if you i've listened to some episodes too where you could tell they didn't like put any work into it and that just it kind of loses the quality um i would also say don't read bios word for word i, I just when i hear those it's just like come on just fast forward uh personally even with bios what i do i call it the three bullet points and i just ask people for three quick bullet points about themselves and i just kind of personally will inject that when i'm entertaining them it's more personable um, what I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, with, uh, you know, making sure you, you have, you know, maybe a few questions, but really kind of truly actively listening, like being present, uh, and listen to your guests. I've actually watched some blabs sometimes, and you can just tell when people are interviewing them that they're already, you know, they're multitasking, they're checking their boards over here. They're, they're looking at the comments and, and you're just, you're missing great opportunities to really extend that conversation. So really making sure that you're, you're present with your guests. When you did your um, podcast here on Blab, right? Did you find that the chat was distracting? Did you take call-ins or did you just do it as though it was an audio broadcast and, you know, kind of ignore the chat, and not take call-ins? How did you set it up so that, you know, somebody wouldn't necessarily notice a big difference in your, if they were just listening to audio? So what I did is when I got on the Blab, I actually told the Blab audience, listen, um, this is a this is a show that we're going to do live on Blab, but it's also going to be recorded for Apple or for iTunes. And so, um, you know, I would kind of tee it up and say, all right, we're going to get ready. We're going to start in 10 or 
five, four, three, two, one, that I play my sound bites and all that stuff. But I also told them if they had a question that they could go ahead and ask them, I would do my best to try to incorporate it. But again, I, I wasn't going to guarantee anything. But then after we were done recording the podcast, because again, I try to keep my podcast around 20 to 30 minutes. Then when we were done, I would actually then open it up so people could kind of jump on in. So that that was the benefit then for people to join on the live show. And it, it was good, but I did, you know, I did find it distracting, definitely. I and mean, as much as I was trying to tell you guys like to focus and be present with your guest, it was hard on Blab when you saw, you know, the stream, uh, the stream of comments coming in. And then what I wound up doing is I actually wound up having one of my associates at Castle Fridays start to join the Blabs. And her responsibility was really to pay attention just to the comments and respond. And then if there was ever anything that was really good that I should try to incorporate into uh, the show, at our organization, we use a tool called Slack. She would literally Slack me those questions and I'd incorporate them in the show. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. It's been great, great talking to you, great hearing about how you came up with uh, what's now what the number two social media marketing podcast, according to Hootsuite. It's, it's let's be honest, it's always an opinion. I'll take <laughs> That's a good source, though, at least. Right, uh, right. No, it's a very credible source. Um, uh, Tyler's the CEO of Casual Fridays, casualfridays.com. You can see uh, all his podcast uh, notes and all, and you can listen to the podcast there. It's also available for subscription on iTunes. And uh, where else can people? find out about the the podcast yeah just go search if you search social media marketing or even social media on on itunes the the podcast should come up but if you go to casualfridays.com it's uh, that's pretty much all of our content that we create is stuff that's repurposed from the podcast uh if you want to connect with me personally you can just go to tyler j anderson uh, com. that is my handle on pretty much every social platform except for snapchat i am active on snapchat uh if you want to see behind the scenes footage of what agency life is like then go follow me on Snapchat because I'm pretty frequently posting on Snapchat all the uh, everything that I'm pretty much doing on a day-to-day basis, uh, running the agency and stuff. And then just lastly, if I can give one plug. So um, we also, in addition to being the agency, we build software that helps solve our problems. And I know somebody else was asking about you know the tool that we use for managing um, mentions and all that. We use Desk for that. But uh, we also built a tool and we just literally rolled it out to the public uh, for availability. And it's called TAC, T-A-C-K. The website is found on TAC. And what TAC helps you do is basically get beautiful photography and videos, user-generated photography and videos, I should mention, from your uh, guests. Or I shouldn't say guests. Anybody who's, who's using your location tags on Instagram or hashtags. And it gives you legal permission to repurpose them. So if you want to build a library database of awesome photography by your customers of your business, uh, TAC is a tool for that. And that's something that we use internally. And now we're opening up the gates so everybody else can use it. Wow, that's great. So you can use those for commercial use. You can you can use exactly. them any way you want, huh? Yep. Yeah, so how we use it for the hotels, because a lot of people, this is actually, a lot of people don't realize this. You can't regram a photo legally. Like you can technically, if, if some company just regrams your photo, you could, in theory, you could sue them for using that content. They need to have re- your legal permission to use your your photos or your videos. And so uh, obviously if you're working with like world-class hotels, you want to make sure you're doing things by the book. Right. So to streamline that process, that's why we built this tool tack. So if you're a hotel guest and you're staying uh, at one of our properties and you post this amazing Instagram photo, uh, we can proactively engage with you, but then we can also ask for uh, legal permission. And if you reply through a hashtag, that photo automatically gets downloaded into a database uh, through the platform tack. And then you can of course download that and repurpose it on Facebook, Instagram, websites, emails, whatever you want to use that photo for. Cool. And it's a TJA Snaps, right? TJA, TJA snaps. snaps is my for Snapchat. For the Snapchat 
at Tyler J. Anderson on pretty much every other yep. platform. All right. Thanks a lot, Tyler. To, uh, next week, next week on Monday, we have Kathy Hackle. Uh, she's an Emmy Award winning uh, broadcaster turned live streamer. So look forward to talking to her next week, Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And also tomorrow night, Marty McPadden and Stephen Haywood uh, at the Tech Buzz. Stephen and Marty will be hosting broadcast now at 6 p.m. So if you want to step up your game with live video, I definitely recommend tuning into those guys. So have a great night, everyone.